I've been feeling vibes all day. I've been feeling vibes all night. Let me breathe and meditate. Elevators, that all right? It's energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Vibes, 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 energy. Try to reach everybody, but I can't reach everybody. I may not be called to this person or called to Hey, what's going on, good people? It's your girl T Hardaway. And it's Michael Basel. And we are the Did It for the Hood podcast. Indeed. We back at you one more time. And you know, we only bring the best, baby. So we bring in the best today. We have a uh, a gentleman who has a very interesting story. He started out teaching and he transitioned into medicine. Now that seems like a, a big leap. But we're going to find out his story today. Y'all give it up for Dr. Walter Selver. <laughs> How are you today, sir? Oh, all is well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. 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 So, Dr. Selver, tell us your story. Well, uh, my story is very similar to a lot of minority men and women, um, especially in like a poverty stricken area. From Riviera Beach, Florida. You are too. Um, you don't have a lot of uh, role models. You don't see a lot of examples of people like you in different types of industries doing well. But usually, as I call them, worker bees, not necessarily bosses, um, you know, working at fast food places, if they work at all. You know, a lot of people on food stamps, Section 8. Uh, we weren't necessarily on food stamps or Section 8. My mom, she, she, she had a pretty decent job. She worked for AT&T. And she raised me and uh, three other siblings by herself, as a lot of other ladies do. And, um, you know, we didn't have a male role model. And, you know, I had to kind of figure things out along the way. But I had a lot of sense in the sense that I knew that what my mom had is what was for her. And at some point in life, I had to figure out for myself what my niche in life was going to be. And my story is pretty much about self-discovery and, you um, which and I didn't have to discover things by myself. It'd have been nice to have a guide, but you know, just starting off small. Uh, let, let's let's fast forward this to high school. Um, went to Palm Beach Gardens High School, ninth grade. Had a blast, cracking jokes, roasting people. That's pretty much all we did. Homework, but wasn't doing homework. Came home from school, dropped your bag off, hit the road. Picking on people, that, that's what it, you know, I didn't have paper in my bag, didn't even have a pencil sometimes. However, in the ninth grade, they give you a report card and you get to find out if you're going to be promoted to the, you know, 10th grade or not. What happening? Um, started off in summer school. Interestingly enough, the class I had to take in summer school was a science class. Mm. Um, remember that, or earth science. But anyway, uh, 10th grade came along and I got my first report card. And I started thinking to myself, well, am I really what my report card said I was? You know, less than the 2.0 Ds and F. Was this me? Could I do better? And meanwhile, we were roasting other people about various things. I started saying, well, am I slow? Am I sleep? Do I have a, like a learning disability? And I just wanted to challenge myself. So one day, I had this bright idea to take my book home and actually open it up with the worksheet that the teacher, my biology teacher gave me. And I, I found out a, a secret. All I had to do was read and I would find the answers. I was like, wow, I was like, it was like rocket science. And then um, that one day I say, well, let me just give more effort. 
how about I do this not only in, in uh, science classes, let me try that in English and language arts. And, and slowly but surely, I started coming up the ranks, um, you know, got into advanced classes by 12th grade. But however, when you mess up for so long, it takes a long while to kind of to rectify those situations and things like that. So even though when I graduated high school, I was having all A's and B's, I had messed up so much. I didn't have everything I needed to transition to a uh, university. So that's where I went into community college. Community college, um, I started off in preparatory classes. And by the end of that grinding and hard work, I was actually tutoring in those classes that I was <laughs> failing in and things like that back in high school. So we're talking about chemistry, talking about physics, organic chemistry. And the reason I was going that route because I wanted to do pharmacy. Why did I pick pharmacy? I don't know. It just seems like somebody in the neighborhood that had a solid job, um, wasn't selling drugs, uh, well, illegal drugs, <laughs> things like that. And um, that's how I kind of got into the science pathway. So went through community college. Now it's time to go to university, Florida A&M University, represent my Rattlers. <laughs> And then um, I got I did not get into the pharmacy program, but that was one of the best things that happened to me because I didn't really want to do pharmacy because it was my passion. I just thought about, well, it's a good way to make some clean money and I'd be OK. I'd be successful compared to my peers where I was where I grew up at. But um, I didn't get in and then I landed in biology. And so I became a biology major. And again, grinding, I excelled at, at uh, Florida A&M. I got one B throughout my, my, my two years there, killed it. And then just still not knowing what I wanted to do because I didn't get into pharmacy now. Well, I was following my friend, Ryan. Ryan Brooks is also a physician now. He's also from Palm Beach with the lakes. And um, he's like, man, let's do this pre-med. And the more I read about it, I read stories about various doctors and it kind of fitted me, you know, using your, your knowledge of science to help heal people, to help educate people. Um, but then I faced a barrier, a setback, which was this test called the MCAT. It's almost like um, SAT for getting into college. MCAT is what you you take to try to get into a medical school. Mm. So um, I took the test, did didn't do that well the first time, did even worse the second time, you know, it was some hard times. And my during this time, I graduated FAMU. Now I needed to get a job. And that's how I landed into teaching. So teaching was never like my first choice. It was something to do until I got to where I wanted, like a stepping stone. And mm -hmm. while I taught, I thought I was going to be in one year and go straight to medicine. Didn't work out that way. Um, took me five years before I got in there. But I had a goal um, in that time I got married, ended up having a kid and I kept trying. And some of the things um, that many people might face when you don't reach your goal or you feel like you're just running in circles, you get depressed. You know, I, I went to a time period where I was sad, unhappy with life. And uh, thank God in, uh, Facebook and, and, and Instagram wasn't that big at that time because you can kind of look at your peers try to see what they do and compare yourself to them and you start feeling like you, you're falling behind in the, in the race of life mm -hmm. and so that that was a pretty much dark time but then towards the end i said you know what i'm gonna give my all to teaching 
and I'm going to try to get in and get a medal for school. And I gave it my all. And in that year, one of my my um, counselors back at Florida and then reached out and said one of the schools was coming up here to try to recruit people. And she reached out to me. So, you know, what? I went up to FAMU and um, met the guy who was, was like the, one of the, the president of the, the medical school at the time, chopped it up with him, the young lady that came recruiting and. I, I, I took my shot, my last, my only shot. Nobody was messing with me. The only, like the only girl that asked you to the prom, it was like that situation. Right, so I right. said, yeah, uh, they said, yeah. And then the rest is history. Um, the rest is history. But just to, I back up a little bit. Um, what led me, I guess, on a straight and narrow was I looked at a lot of people in the neighborhood who was, quote unquote, successful. A right. lot of times in, in poverty-stricken areas, it's like the dope boys. They yeah. have the nice cars, mm -hmm. they have the freshest clothes, they have the jewelry, all the ladies, people in the neighborhood kind of look up to them. And you want that same admiration. But mm -hmm. I just looked at myself. I wasn't built for that. You know, I wasn't trying to go to jail. I wasn't trying to shoot nobody. Uh, my mom probably would do me worse than the police if I ever got caught. Straight up. And then also... Mm -hmm. A lot of athletes so that people look up to the athletes. So I didn't run a full flat. I wasn't tall. I wasn't a hooper. So I had to find my niche. So my niche was education. And I didn't necessarily know I was going to use that to make it out. But that's what I did. That's what I did. So and that so that so now, you know, kind of where I came from. That's the majority. Of your... And okay. um, yeah, so. All right. Yeah. So that is a phenomenal story, actually. Mm -hmm. um a lot of people don't even tell that part of their story they just say yeah i became a doctor and then they just skip all the front the front end as yeah. though it didn't help build their character so but we appreciate you man that's an amazing story um so when you got to that space where you were ready to transition your grades and was there anything else happening around you that also like leaned into that or making you want to change in that moment oh as i mentioned before um i know i was getting older Mm. And at some point I was going to have to leave my mom's house mm. and she wasn't going to pay for me to do anything. It was going to be up to me. Mm. So I had to start making some moves to set myself up to take care of myself. The one thing my mom told me, said, look, you don't got to worry about me, son. You just got to worry about you. Mm -hmm. And I just had to find my niche. And I think a lot of people out there don't know their niche. If they found their niche or reached for it, good things would likely happen. And you kind of one other thing too. I had a good friend of mine, Lamont Howard. Um, he taught me a lot. What he taught me was be yourself. Everybody around you could be doing one thing, but that don't mean you have to follow. Just do you. So when I had some friends out there, you know, selling drugs, robbing people, they were my friends, but I wasn't messing with that because that wasn't me. Right. They never made me feel bad, calling me weak or lame because I didn't want to. You know, go down there. So it's, it's a lot of things. It wasn't just one particular thing. It's me knowing I had to get out of my mom's house, figuring out the way, and me trying to find my identity. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So during the time in education, because I always, it's weird now when you have to be led. I always say that your path, everything from the past in your path is going to come forward. Mm -hmm. So when you went into medicine or when you were in um, medical school in those days, did you ever see instances where things from your past, from your education background and things like that started to come forward and be helpful? Oh, definitely. So in medicine, if you're a good physician, good doctor, 
you're not supposed to just tell the patients what the, what the game plan is. Yeah. You know, you got to teach to them and you got to break it down because some of you might have patients that are doctors, some patients that are lawyers. So sometimes you got to go back to elementary or middle school. When I was in middle school science, so you got to break it down on that level. So instead of me speaking rocket science, I just got to dumb it down. Not, I guess that's not the proper word, but, you know, lower it down a little bit, water it down so they can digest it. So just like when I was teaching science with the kids, they might not understand, you know, certain concepts about earth space science and rocks and, and matter, but you have to break it down on a level that they can get. So it's the same thing with patients. Sometimes patients just don't really understand what they're doing. For example, the other day, patient like Dr. Silver, well, I'm on a cardiac diet, which is low salt and, you know, low, low fluid restriction. I say, well, ma'am, you just asked me about this medicine called Plavix. And I say, why do you take Plavix? She said, well, because I had stents, which is what you get when you have like heart attacks and things like that. I say, well, <laughs> you had a heart attack with stents, so you get a heart healthy diet. You know, just simple stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't know. Um, yeah. So education um, will always be a part of me, whether I'm in a classroom, which I'm not, well, I'm on the medical floor. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Can you take a, um, I'm just interested. This wasn't one of our uh, other questions, but um, what was the process of medical school like? Oh, so let's just skip the process where it took me hard. That was hard getting in there. So five years, took that test three times. And I got a guy got me in that school. That's pretty much it at the end of the day. But once you get in there, Analogy, analogy they like to use is like drinking water with a fire hydrant. You just get bombarded, bombarded <laughs> with so much knowledge and, and, and you know, in a, in a short time frame. So if you had like a year to learn a concept, anybody probably can figure out. But when they switch that year and say, OK, you got four weeks to learn and master it. That's a whole different level. And also just trying to balance being a physician, being a medical student, being out of school for five years. Remember, five-year gap, going right back into the classroom with like <laughs> crazy amount of workload. I was married and I had a daughter. So I had to figure out that balance between family yeah. and school. It's so easy to get caught up in just school because it, I, I got to be a doctor. I got to grind. got to pass this test. You can easily ne neglect your wife and your kids. So a lot of times when people say, you know, I went to medical school. It's more like we went to medical school because my wife had to suffer through those stressful days, um, stressful nights. I'm not being there. She's been by, by herself, you know, with my daughter. And with me, sometimes I wanted to go study, but I couldn't because I had father duties. I had to hold down the fort until my wife came home. When she came home, she can tag in and I can go back to the, to the library. I'm telling my we study so much. I'm telling you, we started so much to feel like you got sick. You just, just up late. Man, listen, I bet you talk about it's a fire hydrant. Just yeah. you and you. Four yeah. in the morning. Got, you know, then you got to go back, back to class at eight o'clock. And it was Ooh. a ride. And what I what it taught me, though, you had to be, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Yes, I'm in a very stressful situation, but mm. I got to stay, I got to be comfortable because I, I, I can't freak out and fail this test. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't crash out and um ruin my my my, my wife, you know, my, my marriage and whatnot like that. So it taught you how to really be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you go from a point where in college where you get A's and B's and you smashing until you you thank God you got a C, you know? <laughs> okay. Listen. So um, so yeah. Yeah. One thing that just came up for me that I'm curious about 
is like how that atmosphere was like in the classroom because like were you like the oldest student in the classroom? No, no. Um, most of the kids, you're right, most of the kids are traditional, meaning they go through undergrad and go transition straight into medical school. But it was a lot of people like myself. I, I would, I don't know, maybe 25% of the class were non-traditional because a lot of people don't go get in straight away. So they had some people older than me. Um, some people were in their 40s. I think I started at um, 28. They were in their 40s starting. So yeah, so it, it varies. And it's like that at every medical school. You got some people that are really young. You got some people that have kids, kids almost your age just starting. Yeah. I don't think I would do it at 45, but but hey, but it just, whatever their goal is, that's their journey. Yeah, man. <laughs> and for the people at home listening, that just goes to show there's no age limit. Absolutely. What you want to do. 100%. 100%. So um, the medical school, medical school, medical school. Was there anything that was uh, surprising or shocking to you while you were in the process? Um, well, sometimes you, you kind of look at yourself. You start thinking that other people are smarter than you. I've been out of school so long and, you know, they don't look like me because it was bit like 250 people in the classroom and maybe five were black. Mm. You know, did you say so five? Yeah. Five. So you might start feeling like imposter uh, you know, syndrome yeah, where you start yeah. thinking you don't you don't fit in. But yeah. what's surprising is, shoot, um, I held my own. I mean, I wasn't at the top of the class, but I, I sure was not at the bottom either. So mm. some people who you thought may have made it out, they didn't make it. And I was still standing, you know, despite my background, you know, growing up in the hood, not having no support and, and not really figuring things out until later on in life. I still was able to do it. Um, but you know, that was probably the only thing that, that, that's, that's what I would say, you know, no, but that's powerful though. Cause a lot of people deal with that same, that same thing. It happens, especially when you, I think the hardest thing to acknowledge sometimes is the higher you go, the less people that will look like you usually when you're black and brown, yes. definitely the more higher your, the higher your position gets, the more you get into those rooms, it becomes less and less and less and less. And when you're like, Oh, Okay, well, I just it goes back to what you said about becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. It definitely, yeah, it definitely sure. helps along the way. So, my my guy mentioned Ryan Brooks. Uh, we have similar stories. Mm -hmm. uh, we met at community college, and we both went to FAMU. Both had issues with the MCAT. We both got into the same school, medical mm -hmm. school. And so when I was going through it, he was right there with me. So like I say, iron sharpens iron. When I was down, he picked me up. He's down. I picked him up. And that made it easier for us to get through. Yeah. You know, it was still hard, but it was cool having a battle, battle partner, which. Okay. So you, you get through school. Um, how does, how does the, re how does it, how do you go about becoming a resident? Like, how does that happen? Okay. So medical school is four years, two years is in the classroom, two years you're in the hospital or in clinics, outpatient, you know, learning how to be a doctor, whatnot. But you still are not, you know, independent by yourself. And you're not a doctor yet. You're just a medical student. OK. And then once you finish graduate medical school, you're a doctor now. But you're not you're a doctor of what? So you have MD, which is a, what you guys normally hear about. And you also have DOs. Both are physicians. Both do surgery. But nonetheless, you're just a doctor of nothing. You have to go into residency to become a, a family physician, a surgeon. Mm -hmm. a uh, pulmonologist, a cardiologist, a nephrologist, all those ologists, you mm -hmm. have to go to a residency. So mm -hmm. 
for me, I did internal medicine and that was three years. Okay. So that, that was stressful because then, um, because you're not, you know, sometimes you leave, like I left, I left my whole state. I wasn't even in Florida anymore. I went to Georgia. Hey. Yep. Yep. Um, in Marietta, at Kennestone Hospital, we'll start Kennestone Hospital. And um, oh, interestingly okay. enough, along the way, on, Doctor Silver, one one question: What do you mean you have to leave? Do you have to apply, and whoever takes you, you go? Yes. So it's another oh. application. So yeah. So you, I guess, get that part. Good question. So you take tests in medical school, just like you take tests to get into medical school. You take boards, and you take boards, and how well you score, how well you do, can often impact where you end up for residency. So if you want to get into something highly competitive like plastic surgery, orthopedic surgery, you know, neurosurgery, you got to you got to be up here. OK, um, if you fail boards, fail them all together, you will never get into a residency. So now you took all these student loans out and you're a doctor of nothing and you, you have no residency. So some people have to walk around with an MD degree, can't do nothing with it. And they might have to work somewhere else because they failed boards. And could never get into residency. Mm. So it's okay. levels. <laughs> levels to it. That is that is the side they don't talk about. No, most, but that's a very small number. Most people do match in, but I'm not going to lie and say 100% match in. Even if it's 1%, that's still a lot of people that um miss out after yeah. going through four years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they match. Go ahead, Mike. When I was just say, like, so residency is when you just get training in this specific department in the hospital now. Or, or, or even outpatient in your field. So you Not have true. a pediatrician that take care of kids. They get mm -hmm. specific training to be a pediatric. Right. You know, I'm a hospitalist, hospital medicine. So I got trained to be take care of people in the hospital. But also if I wanted to, to be a primary care physician like your family doctor. I just opted to just go straight into medicine, but you receive training in that specific area. Okay. okay. No. Gotcha. Okay. And, and it's the next step if you want to, to do a fellowship to even further specialize. So mm -hmm. in order to be a cardiologist, you have to do the three years of internal medicine like myself and then do a apply for a fellowship, which is similar to the residency process. You apply to the fellowship and then you do it three more years and now you're a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. it, it, it goes deeper than that if you want to. But uh, it, yeah. It, it, did you just say it goes deeper than that if you want to? Yeah, because let's say you got cardiologists that puts in stents, like when people have heart attacks. Yes. Maybe an additional two years on to the three years. So. <sighs> okay. Wow. All right, doctor. So we, all right. So we, we, we got an audience of people listening. Let's talk, let's add some, let's put some dollar amounts to this. If you go yeah. to the, the long way that you just explained, what's mm -hmm. the average salary of someone, pick, pick a department, I'm not sure. It, it, it just all depends because um, sometimes you can go into something because you like it and you not necessarily um, get compensated for it. Okay. But I would say, I, and I don't know, uh, cardiologists who like divulge their information, but uh, I'm with, I would think probably if you're an uh, interventional cardiologist, it's probably easy to make maybe 600, 700,000, maybe depending on how hard you work. Um, and someone in my position, you know, I would say easily four hundred to five hundred. Okay, see that 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 changes those numbers because when you just start talking about all those years, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But it makes yeah. sense though. I get it. All right. So in residency, how was that process for you? 
it was uh it was fun it was also stressful and mm. sometimes you you got to face something like implicit like bias mm. you know you mm -hmm. go through the same work that other people do and instead of getting like a, a objective saying well you know Walter you didn't do this you didn't do that a lot of it is subjective how you feel how did I like you as a person so sometimes your reviews that you would get from your your team physicians didn't necessarily would add up with the work that you put in. <clears throat> but you know it's all a game. You just gotta know that it doesn't really matter. Keep pushing. Again, be comfortable being uncomfortable, and just pass the rotation. Go to the next one. <clears throat> At the end of the day, once I finish my residency and I get that paper, I'm official now. You know what I'm saying? So. That's how that was. So residency, you know, it was just straight take care of patients, learning, learn as much as you can, reading when you can, because you got boards to take along the way in residency as well, so that you can become a, um, you know, a, uh, what you call it, certified, board certified physician in your area. And then by this time, I think I started, I had two kids, so that made it tough. But mm -hmm. what you learn from the, the first process of the the past step stages in life, you use just that to go forward. Yeah, you just keep building. You just keep building. So, question. What, so you talked about just the biases that you dealt with while you were in residency. So what were some of other obstacles or setbacks that you had to overcome to get to where you are now? I would, I would just say um, balance still, you know, still a husband, father, yeah. Just trying to find myself how to balance, how to make sure I'm spending enough time here and not yeah. too much time over there. Mm -hmm. And also to not take stuff personal, because you got to think about it. You mentioned there's not a lot of black people in in medicine mm -hmm. and a lot of people that's in medicine, like the doctors. A lot of them are Indian, um, you know, Caucasian, you know, Asian, what other types of uh, Asian cultures. They don't mm -hmm. really interact with us too much. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. They might work with you and say, oh, you kind of laid back. But in their mind, since you laid back, you're lazy. But you're not. You're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You're on time, you know, reading, whatever. But you just, it's just your personality because they're not used to dealing with you. But you just got to learn how to not take it personal and just keep it moving. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in balancing everything, like, I know you spoke on it a little bit before. But like, how did you balance everything? And you, you gotta trial and error. <laughs> Sometimes your wife will just tell you, like, "Hey, you need to do this and do that." Uh, you ain't spending enough time with your daughter, and you can see it. Well, you see, she may not say nothing, but you see her stressed out. Her stress level is going up, and um, she's getting sad. And you start realize, well, she's doing everything by herself. I'm getting up, going to work, trying to learn, come home, reading, and trying to study. And she's pretty much a single parent. So then you got to realize, well, I need to help out more, help out more. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's a sacrifice. That's raw, bro. How many years have you been practicing now? Uh, independently, about two and a half years. Two and a half so years. You know, five-year hiatus from, from FAMU to getting to Nova Southeastern down in Davie, Florida. That's the medical school. And then three years at um, Kennestone. And then two years at, uh, working like West Georgia Medical Center, which is is in a cut, almost in Alabama, the Boondocks in Georgia. Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, but it's cool. I mean, uh, I like the people I serve. A lot of them are very appreciative, 
and I can go to work and be me. I don't have to act like anybody else. He laughing because he's from Georgia too, so he yeah. know. So I love I can go work at a place that I can be me. See, I have my locks, no yeah. issue. Um, just being me. Yeah. But I, go, I handle my business. I'm professional. Take care of these patients. Communicate with people. Um, build relationships, not with just the patients, but other physicians. You know, you know, nurses, nurse practitioners, pharmacists. So it's cool. And I'm a social person, so it it, it just fits me perfectly. The job that I do. No, I hear that. I actually looked you up before you came on here to see what your patients had to say about you. You got a high rating. They like you. Well, hopefully. I hope I can keep that. Some people can't make <laughs> happy. So, again, can't read the comments all the time. I hope, I'm glad it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said you you, good, you have uh, good communication skills and you're very thorough. Mm, yeah, that was the consistent thing that they said about you. Mm. Um. So what's next for you? Like you're in, you're practicing. What are some of your professional goals? I think next would be to try to get into something besides medicine. Mm. Medicine, you can do, I can do very well um, being a physician, working every day and then retire as a physician. But if I want to, um, I guess, be wealthy, mm. you got to do, you got to have, a, you know, another hustle. Mm. So some type of franchise, I would love to get into some type of franchise where, I can start um, making some money on the side and, and maybe duplicate what I'm doing as a physician, whether that be in the real estate, um, whether that be in opening up like a, um, a physical therapist type um, franchise where they, you know, administer physical therapy to people after accidents, after stroke and stuff like that. Something else, though, to be an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. to, to do well, I could do well being a physician, but to really kill it. It's entrepreneurship. That's where the, the real money and that's how you build like generational wealth, being the owner of whatever you have. Yeah. So has, has, has that has it always been your mindset or did it trans did it change over time? No, I think my, my dad, uh, even though I grew up a single um single parent, he's with a single parent, my dad did spend some time with me. He would fly me up to New York, it's where he lived at and him and my uncle, they own their own business. They remove like asbestos and the lead from like old buildings to make it safe. The kids not get cancer, eating lead, lead chips, paint chips and stuff. But they're the owner. He's always been telling me to be the boss, do this and do that. And he did quite well. And I saw the way he was living his life. So, you know, in, in medicine, it's a little different because not many people own a hospital. There's like big corporations and things. Even like medical practices, a lot of the hospitals have bought up a lot of the private practices. But it's okay. Um, I'm an employee. I get paid a decent amount that I like compared to where I was. When I was teaching, I made like $33,000 a year. $33,000 a year, you know, like I said, we can make anywhere from one to 400 to 500,000. So it's, mm. but anyway, th that's that. And then you have taxes. Well, mm -hmm. since you're an employee, mm -hmm. you have a W-2 and they get all that money. The government will. Mm. But if you're an uh, entrepreneur, you're your own owner, uh, you'd be 1099. You have more tax shelters. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so I got it from my dad. He's from, the Caribbean, Turks and Caicos Island, and they all about being the owners, being mm -hmm. boss and bossing up. So it, it it has been in with me, been in me. I just had to get here first to use this to as catapult my next area of life. So hopefully the next five to ten years, I can be a franchise owner, get a couple of you know apartment complexes, rent those out, and and do well and build some generational wealth. Mm -hmm. 
I love to hear it. That's the type of language I like to hear on here. <laughs> so you you want to you're going to not want to you're going to own franchises and create generational wealth for yourself um i'm all about it um are there any other passions that you have besides those things like what are, who is dr silver outside of his practice outside of medicine that laid back out of they were saying laid back but i really enjoy family friends and other hobbies I like i like to fish i do like to fish mm -hmm. You know, uh, one day I will be getting a boat. You know, traveling is good. So my wife was like, well, you buy everything for yourself. You know, what can I buy for you? I said, well, experience. Mm. I don't really care about things as much because I can buy the things I want. If I want some J's, I can buy some J's. But let's take some time. Let's go visit, um, you know, Mexico. Let's go to South Africa. Let's go experience, taste some food, things like that. So um, I like experiences. You like any, any countries you want to go to that you haven't been to yet? I haven't been to Jamaica. So I got a lot of Jamaican friends, you know, love the culture, the food. Uh, a lot of the food is similar, like in Turks and Caicos, but it's different. I want to I want to go to Jamaica. You know, they like the mm -hmm. originator of a lot of the music, a lot mm -hmm. of the food, the style, even though that country is this small, the amount of influence that they have, they like on every continent, Canada, UK, shoes. So I want to go there and I want to go to a lot of the, um, the countries in, in Africa. Definitely check out a Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa and yeah. see something. Cause, uh, Cause sometimes on TV, they just show you like the poor people, but some of them over there, they yeah. doing well and they don't want to leave. Like, <laughs> like big money. Yeah. And it'd be cool to see another country where most people look like you and yeah. not, you know, not the bottom feeders. Yeah, you know, thriving. Really, yeah, yeah. So that's some of the places. Fishing is so interesting though, because like what is it, what is it about fishing for you? I think it's the um it's peaceful. So mm -hmm. another I had a mentor growing up, Mr. Leonard Grimes, and um he was like a father figure growing up. Him and mom, they were real close friends. They weren't dating, but just real close friends. And he would take us out on this boat. And at nighttime, it'd be so peaceful, and it's just a thrill when you have a, the fish on the hook. It's just like a, it's like a high that you get, and it, it is fun. And then some people do it to feed their family. I just do it for fun. I catch the fish. I'm not trying to eat the fish. I throw it back. It's all about catching a bigger fish, a different type of species, a different type of fish. You have salt water, you got fresh water, and then the adventure. It's the old adventure of it. So um, you get you a charter boat with somebody, get your own boat. Some people make out of like big trips, like they'll they'll sail from Palm Beach and go to the to, to the Bahamas, mm -hmm. fish in the Bahamas, mm -hmm. go check out a resort. So it's just, it's just relaxing, you know. Some people might like to play play golf. I ain't really get exposed to that. Not knocking it. I just got exposed to fishing. Maybe if someone took me, um, I don't know, hiking. Maybe I would probably be into that. Hunting, I might be into that. But fishing was always cool. And in South Florida. We have water everywhere. We mm -hmm. have fresh water, canals, lakes. You have rivers. And then I, I grew up like five minutes from the beach. You got the salt, <laughs> salt water right there. So, mm -hmm. so it's in my blood, I guess. Amen. That's in the water. <laughs> so for someone who wants to follow in your footsteps, what would you tell them? They need, and I wish I didn't, I wish I knew this before. They got to get some type of a, a mentor. Mm. You led me right into my next question, but go ahead. We, we need it because um, I probably would have got to my place in life much quicker 
had I had a mentor, which is somebody that was uh, familiar with me, my background, and knew where I wanted to go and that could help guide me on getting there. Where in high school, you can't be playing around. Even in middle school, you can't be playing around. Take these classes, do well in these classes. If you're struggling, let's get you a tutor. So that way, because these classes are important for the next step. They're building blocks, building blocks. So, and then once the, the education standpoint is already taken care of, now is doing, um, you got to have connections to relationships. So mm-hmm. relationships meaning, so I had a pastor, um, his wife worked at a, a, a hospital in Tallahassee and his wife, she knew a physician that allowed me to shadow. So if I didn't have that relationship, I wouldn't be in there, you know? So Mm -hmm. having a mentor, establishing relationships, keeping those relationships, because you always need letters. So that same position were a very good letter for me to get into medical school. Mm -hmm. Okay, And even once I got into um, residency and even medical school, I didn't really have a mentor at that point, which I did, because they could have kind of helped guide me as to where I wanted to go. I thought I wanted to do surgery. So I put a lot of effort and time into doing surgery. I did uh, some rotations away, spent some money and time only to realize that I'm in an operating room like I really can be somewhere else right now. And with surgery, it's not a field that you want to go in if you yeah. really passion because that residency itself is five years. Oh, not the three years that I took. And to do something that you don't like around people that you don't like, yeah. you go crazy. You yeah. definitely go crazy. So um, having a, a mentor maybe would have helped guide me as to where I kind of wanted to go and could have saved me some time. And even doing medical, uh, residency, having a mentor would have kind of helped me navigate those, as dealing with those biases and how to study for this and how to balance things like that. So um, definitely I, the no-brainer stuff is do well in school. But that's, that's <laughs> I mean, ideally got to do well in school, but mentorship and establishing relationships. Mm. oftentimes who you know gets you in the building what you know is going to keep you there but a lot of us we know what to do we just can't get in <laughs> you yeah. know they're yeah. gatekeepers out there we can't get in but when you establish those relationships well yeah he or she may look different but they're good people they're mm. hardworking. you know they got good morals just give them opportunity mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy this thing. It's, it's crazy that you say that because I've been going through this thing re- recently where <laughs> I've been going through this thing recently where I, I say everything is cap. And the reason I say that is once you get behind the curtain and start understanding how things operate, you start realizing I've known how to do this for quite some time. Oh, I do know how to do this, but there's language, there's shielding, there's all these other types of things that make it seem like it's so far away from you. And then when you step back and look, you're like, oh, it wasn't far at all. I understood exactly what was going on. Definitely. And to add to what I was saying is the kids, um, even older kids, you have to pick your circles. Yep. Okay. It's kind of hard to be a winner if you're surrounded by losers. Say that again. again. It's hard to be a winner if you're surrounded by losers. And describe what what a what a loser is doing. Things contrary to your goal. If your goal is to get into um, barber school or or own a business, go into construction, to be a doctor, be a lawyer, whatever. If they're doing stuff contrary, so you're trying to go study, and they're telling you not to go study, let's go to a party. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you know you have to go apply for this 
fellowship or something and your urine has to be clean, a, a, a good friend wouldn't tell you, let's go smoke. Okay. Also, they're trying to achieve the similar thing to you. Maybe they don't want to be a doctor. Maybe they want to be a lawyer, but the goal, we got to grind. Okay. Mm -hmm. All that foolishness aside, let's put it to the side. Let's focus. And, and you know, you don't, like, losers, they don't really want much in life. They're comfortable with the surroundings. Like in Riviera Beach, a lot of people don't amount to nothing because they, they're happy to be with those same group of people that stand in front of the corner all day, you know, in front of the store, you know, selling drugs, selling weed and, and, you know, things like that. And just the, just the hood life. They just get they get caught up with the street life. I just say street life because it happens all around America. In New York, Florida, Absolutely. Georgia, California. Mm -hmm. They get stuck, you know, and mm -hmm. they can't see beyond that. I, I guess I guess I was born with I wanted more. Mm -hmm. I didn't want no six fold Chevy on some on some twinkies and stuff like that. I wanted like an Aston Martin or Mercedes or something like that. But my action had to add up with it. Mm. You, you gotta have some good friends that can help you um along the way. And a lot of other people do. Like, why am I the only one from my circle of friends that I grew up with that went to college? Same. You know what I mean? Like Same. other people, they know people from middle school and high school and they're at college, and they go back home mm -hmm. and everybody's doing well. They're they're business owners, they're lawyers, they're real estate people and whatnot. And why can't that be for us? Mm. But you, you find new friends, uh, not to say that you don't talk to the other people, they're still your friends, but you find new circles on your different walk of life. Some people in your life for a season, some people in your life for life. And some just in there for a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To teach you something. Definitely. Definitely. That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> and I see one of the questions I like to answer, do you have any regret regrets? That was what I was I, about to ask you. I, I would say... Um, not having a plan. Mm. I kind of like said self-discovery because along the way I, I just kept going, okay, <laughs> hit my head against the wall a few times. Okay, let's go straight this time. Okay, yeah. keep hitting me. And I wish I had a plan. Mm. And, and you got to prepare before you get to the next stage of life. So I was just happy to get into medical school. But medical school is just a journey. You got to be a doctor of what? What type of doctor? Maybe I should have reached us research more how to be the doctor that I really wanted to be. If that would have been cardiology, learning more about the heart. If that have been pulmonology, learning more about the lungs even before I got into residency. You know? So mm -hmm. just trying to figure out things along the way, having a plan. A lot of times we don't have a plan. And maybe I didn't have a plan because I didn't have a role model. You know, I didn't have anybody that looked like me that went before me and I was the first one, like I say, first generation. Uh, so I, I just kind of wish... I had a plan before. I wish I could go back. If I knew what I knew now and go back then, oh my gosh, killing the game. Man. Oh my god! If, if I could go back, if I could go back, knowing what I know now, I'd be a millionaire. If I was twenty-two, yeah, definitely, definitely. But twenty-two, be rich. But <laughs> definitely, kids and even older people, you got to have a plan, a really thought-out plan as to how you're going to achieve your goal, no matter what. Starting a business, yeah. uh, you got to have a plan, man. But I would say, you know, we have to show ourselves a little bit of grace as well, because when you are first generation, you're a pioneer. You are the roadmap. So there was no one before you. Right. So now you said you have children. Now they have the roadmap because they got you. Mm -hmm. So definitely. So my job is to help them get a roadmap for mm -hmm. them, stick to it so that they can be the best that they can be in life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 150 percent. Mm -hmm. um, so, Mike, you got any questions? <clears throat>
not off top. Not off top. Okay. Well, Doc, I feel like you've covered a lot for us. So yeah. let me just ask, what is your personal motto? Hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you what Mr. Leonard used to tell me. He said, um, you can um, you know, live easy now and work hard the rest of your life. Or you can work hard now and live easy the rest of your life. So oh, that was a question that we should have asked from Jump. I, I forgot. And forgive me. What what role has faith played in your process? I think that that was probably the biggest thing because when you you down on your luck and you're going through that depressed phase, you know, you seek a higher power because you can't do it yourself. You know, anxiety and depression a lot of time comes when life demands more than you think you have to give. Mm. You feel like your cup is just run over. I can't hold no more. Now I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I can't do it. And then that's when you you have to seek a higher power. You know, I look to Lord, you know, Jesus praying. And um, and that last year, I said that fifth year, I said, you know what? I'm going to do my best in the spot I'm in right now. Lord, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to work my butt off to be the best teacher I can and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. And, and if, if medicine's not for me, show me. Because, I mean, those couple of years when I was not getting into medical school and trying to be a teacher, sometimes I was like, man, I ain't really want to be here, man. This kid's crazy. It's, it's really not my passion. It's, I'm really holding this spot for somebody else. I know something else is for me. But you can't be like that going through because every step of life, even though that might be not be your, your final destination, you got to do it like you're doing it for Christ, doing it, you know, yeah. doing passion, serve with the passion. And mm -hmm. so faith is how I got into medical school, through medical school, through residency and finding this position. Because when I came out, COVID was happening and a lot of the job opportunities that I thought was going to be open for me is shut down, mm -hmm. even in the medical field. A mm -hmm. lot of the jobs were it was shut down. So when I got my job out in West Georgia, it was a leap of faith because I had never been out there before. Um, yeah. Didn't know what it was like. I just knew I had three kids at this time, uh, and I needed a job. Yeah, so I had to take a leap of faith, and but it worked out it was a blessing in disguise. It's the best job I have, and and you know I plan to be there for a long time. But faith um, played a tremendous role. I would not be here uh, without it. It's how you stay comfortable you know, being uncomfortable. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And when you talked about when you got to the space of like um, accepting where you were when you were a teacher, when you mm -hmm. started like, okay, I'm going to do my best. And then it was time for you to transition out. It's weird how that happens once you start to accept that. It's like, okay, now you're ready. I'll let you go. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying I was setting myself up to say I'm going to be a 30-year teacher, but no, say, no. as long as I'm here, I'm going to do my best. best that I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best. And then, and that's that's when it opened up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, I know the feeling. That's why I'm laughing. But <laughs> Doc, we, we appreciate your time. Um, tell everybody where they can reach you in your social media, anything like that. Let me see if I remember. It's probably just let me look it up. I cha I changed it. Probably Doctor Walt Jason Silver. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, that's my yeah doctor the dr Walt. Okay. W-A-L-T, Jason Silver. That's my Instagram. Um, Walter Jason Silver on Facebook. You can find me on there. All right.
Well, Doc, know that if you want to promote anything, once you start opening up your franchises, we expect to see I'm you back saying. on Did It For The Hood so you can promote. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I promote you guys as well. All right. We appreciate Thank you coming you, on, man. And you gave us a lot of wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure yes. somebody's going to be blessed by this interview. Uh, I, really. hope, I hope so. Again, my name is T. Hardaway. Now, Michael Bassell. And we are always the Did It For The Hood podcast. Thank, Thank you, baby. Catch us next week.